the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making money. It was it's not even work when I work with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Happy Happy Labor Day weekend too. Thank you. <laughs> so I hope you hope you you know is it finally this time where we're going to invite the listening audience over to your house for for a barbecue or is that next 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 the Memorial Day weekend? Next really, time, right? I'm not. I am not the connoisseur of the barbecue like you are. I I don't have the fancy pellets for my smokers and stuff like you do. So I don't know why you'd want to put the you know the listening audience through that pain. They need to come to your house. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. You know, each week we start the show off with what's happening in the markets, the economy, monetary policy, uh, fiscal policy, what's going on. And, and boy, yesterday's market action with, with the trade deals on and off and close and far and, and this and that, the markets were up all over the place. NASDAQ closed up a little bit. Dow was, was basically flat. Uh, you know, d- down 22 points, really, really not much. And the S&P eked out, you know, just just a hair of a return. So markets bounced back from its from its midday lows yesterday, all based off of trade reports. And that that goes to what I've been talking about for, you know, several weeks now for <clears throat> the markets are trading on three things. They're trading on corporate fundamentals, corporate earnings, which have come in very strong and promising in July and August as well as interest rate concerns. The interest rates seem to be leveling out a little bit as far as the 10-year notes go. It closed, uh, again, about 2.8% yesterday. And then uh, the Fed is is probably going to raise rates a couple more times this year and and probably two or three next year. But at at low, maybe 0.25 percentage of a point each time, so just sort of a low, moderate trajectory. And then, of course, the trade talks. And as soon as the trade talks all... Get, get signed off and all the deals are made, then Wall Street's going to have clarity of direction. And uh, it's going to be very interesting at that point to see how the economy continues to expand and grow and, and how the markets react. So This volatility, doesn't it really kind of point to a buying opportunity if you're putting new money in the market? 
It does. Obviously, you always want to buy when things are down. That's for sure, Chris. And you know, but things aren't down. We're at all-time highs across the board, pretty much in in our major indices. Mm-hmm. So if you're putting in new money, you want to look at be buying on dips. If if we have a dip, and we will from time to time, no no doubt about it. I was explaining to somebody just the other day that uh, sim- something similar to this question here, and it's not necessarily timing in the market. It's it's time in the market. And we were talking about bonds and, and, and interest rates and, and how they work. And when you take a look at, at what's happening, there's two sides to the bond street. I'm going to answer your question here, but using a bond example. There's two sides to the bond street. There's there's bonds on one side that have interest rate um, uh sensitivity. So as interest rates go up, they go down in value, or vice versa. As interest rates go down, they go up in value. So right now, interest rates are in a rising cycle. So some bonds will not do well. Their principal will be lo- will, will go down in a rising interest rate cycle. On the other side, on the other side of the street, if you will, there are bonds out there that do well when interest rates rise. And so you take a look at those types of bonds today, Chris, and it's not a matter of timing when to get in, but it's getting in and then letting time take its toll. Because if you're in a bond fund, let's say a bond and mutual fund that actually does well when interest rates rise, such as floating rate funds and things like that, then you're looking at the Fed and they're talking about a couple of more rate hikes this year maybe three next year. So you're looking at, at, at between you know now and the end of 2019, maybe five, maybe four rate hikes, whatever it may be. That's time in the market. That's the same thing with stocks. You want, you want to buy at a reasonable price and then look down the road and just let time and management and the economies and things continue to expand and grow over time. That's really the biggest thing. You know, if, if there's all kinds of studies out there talking about, well, the market did 10% in such and such a year, and if you, were, if you had missed, you know, just the 10 best days in the market that year, you'd have gotten 4%. You know, so there's, a lots, of, there's lots of studies out there that show that it, it does come back to time in the market and not necessarily timing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does, and I, I guess I would ask the question because I'm, you know, not educated on this as much as I want to be, and that's why I'm here with you. With regards to bonds and stocks and these different tools, can you kind of break it down? Why bonds versus stocks? And if we use bonds, what is their purpose in investing and how does that work? So the the primary investment objective of a bond is to deliver current income. Growth is secondary, whereas stocks, your your objective is more growth and income is secondary. So So just separate both of those two categories or those asset classes right there, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's let's focus on 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 stocks now. There's different types of stocks. There are certain stocks that are, are growth oriented. They pay a very little, if any, maybe none, no no dividend whatsoever. Sure. Whereas there are stocks out there that pay a very large dividend, and they don't have a lot of principal growth to their share price. Mm-hmm. And then there's stocks that pay a reasonable dividend, and they get some growth. So in the stock world, you can you can look at having your your objective defined as growth, growth in income, or mainly income-producing type of a stock. Mm-hmm. In the bond world, the primary ob- objective primarily over there is income. Growth is secondary. So if you're looking at a bond right now that's paying a high yield and interest rates are going up and it's the type of bond that gets affected with interest rate movements, mm-hmm. You could still be getting your income, but your principal may be going down. On the other side, 
if, on the other hand, I should say, if you're looking at income to be produced from a bond and you purchase bonds that do well when interest rates are rising, you could still receive the income, but you also may at the same time see a price appreciation on the principal value of those bonds. Keep in mind the main question that you asked, Chris, was what's the difference and how do they work together? So in a coordinated effort, when you take a look at mixing stocks and bonds together, you want to have a certain amount of both of those most of the time. And and the closer you are in retirement to needing income from your investments, the more conservative those investments need to be. Bonds, by nature, are more conservative than stocks. Mm -hmm. So as you age closer to needing your income, which, by the way, just because you're going to retire doesn't mean you need income, doesn't mean you need to change your investment allocations around. Most people do, and I get that and understand it, but the real deal is the closer in time you are to needing income, the more conservative and the more income-producing orientation you need you need your investments to really possess at that particular time. So when you're looking at, at dividing it all up, now you want to take a look at your equity-to-bond ratio. Maybe you have 70% equities, 30% bonds. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have 80-20, 90-10. Whatever your risk acceptance level is and whatever your desired of income uh, is at that particular time. So the tax treatment on this is the same as anything within an IRA? When you sell it, that's when you and you actually start retrieving those funds, that's when you have to pay taxes, or is it done differently? So regarding taxes to your investments, if the money's inside an IRA, there's no taxes whatsoever until you pull the money out. Right. And then it all comes out as taxable income, right. ordinary income, no capital gains. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the investment tool is at that point. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. On the other side, if, if the money's in a non-IRA account, like a trust account or a joint account with your spouse or whatever it may be, where there's no IRA tax sheltering of, of the account, then money's taxed couple of different ways it's taxed at ordinary income as well as capital gains yeah. mm-hmm. and which is interesting too because the administration now is talking about changing the capital gains tax to linking it to inflation which would be a huge i'm talking a huge tax break for people you know think about this chris you purchase a a, a stock let's say you purchased a stock in in uh, year 2000 at $50 a share. Today it might be worth $100 a share mm-hmm. and you sell it. You've got to pay capital gains on $50 a share at 20% plus whatever your state is. Now, in that same scenario, if it's linked to inflation, then there will be some sort of a calculation that says, hey, inflation during this period of time from 2000 to 2018 was X amount. You would be able to deduct that off of your tax bill almost cutting your tax rate in half if you really take a look at it, which is a huge, huge benefit. I'm, I'm very I'm keeping my eye on that because that is, going to be cha- that is going to change the world of investing. It's going to change the world of buying and selling assets. It's going to be a very interesting scenario if, if we're able to pull that off. It's going to really accelerate the but growth of the economy. just for non-qualified funds, though, right? Not for the, not for the IRA stuff because it doesn't really – the inflation piece of it wouldn't matter at that point, right? That's correct. But it will really it, – it will substantially increase the economy. I think so. Oh. I, I do. I think it will really help the velocity of money moving around, of assets, buying and selling. I think it's going to continue to help expand the economy and add GDP to it. Gotcha. Okay. Which, by the way, was another piece of news out this week earlier. You know, the second quarter – the GDP, gross domestic product, is looked at three times before they stamp the final on it. 
and the second the second viewing of the second quarter this year mm-hmm. was up to four point two percent versus four point zero. So we saw a tick up of it, which is uh, very very strong, very 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 good actually. Oh, Chris, and one other thing, too, I almost forgot. Late yesterday afternoon, President Trump, when he was down in Charlotte, North Carolina, signed an executive order directing the Treasury Department to review the regulations and the rules and things around the RMD, the required minimum distribution. When people turn 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out of your 401ks, your your IRAs, whatever the case may be. They're looking into matching that up much closer now to life expectancy, rather than using this old formula that they've used for years and years. The challenge here is that when you're 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out, and most people don't need it or don't want to take it out when when this formula starts to hit them on the tax return. You know, by allowing it to, to, to by allowing people to take out less money each year, it, it can help cushion the growth of their dollars to pass assets on to heirs, to pay for medical bills, to help cover long-term care needs, whatever it may be, uh, or to, to just simply delay. Maybe 70 and a half turns into 74 and a half. Who knows? I don't know. But in, in looking at this, I think it's going to open up the door to some different type of retirement income planning, especially now because the formula that people have to follow when you're in your mid to late 80s, you're taking out a good chunk of your IRAs, and you just may not even need those dollars at that particular point. So it's going to enable people, again, to, to, to use these dollars and, and to cushion some blows of, of uh, maybe long-term care or, or medical bills. So all for this. Keep your eye on this. We're going to be watching this as it, as it makes its way through the Treasury Department looking at it. Chris, I see we need to take a break. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and dial us up with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Give us a ring today at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You're listening to Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. 
Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Puts you in touch with our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. You got some fancy things happening uh, with uh, your website these days? I do, Chris. You know, we've had a new launch of our website, completely mobile-capable, mobile, mobile, uh, mobile uh, what do you call it? Uh, Friendly. Friendly. There you go. Mobile-friendly as well as computer-friendly. So uh, check it out. Go visit it at LarryRosenthal.com. Lots of articles and things on there. Uh, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, it's free. Be happy to, to, to send you out our, our monthly newsletter. And, by the way, we're, we're still working on the finishing touches uh, with the – seminars that we're going to be rolling out here in the fall so if you want to get on that list ahead of time we know i know we had many people last week when i announced it uh, go ahead and sign up on on the preliminary list for for our upcoming seminars feel free to do that go visit my website LarryRosenthal.com. shoot us off an email be happy to get you on the seminar registration list uh, for for our, our new classes that we're going to be rolling out of course at the top of the hour today when we were starting the show you were asking about you know, when's good to get in the market and, 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 and how do you get in and this, that, and the other and everything. And and I kept coming back telling you it's time in the market. You know, it's not necessarily timing, but it's time in the market as well. When you take a look at just what happened in August, okay, now despite the, the, the mixed market up and down, you know, the last couple of weeks or so with trade talks and things like that, August was very positive, and it sort of snuck up on people, and a lot of people didn't really realize this. But the S&P 500 in August just alone was up 3%. The Dow was up 2.2, and the NASDAQ was up 5.7%. Now, just imagine if you were, you know, out of the market just during this month, and now you started buying. You're buying your stock prices at a much higher rate Mm. than what they were in July. So it's time in the market, find quality, buy it and hold it till the quality goes away or investment objectives change. That's sort of proof to what we were talking about earlier in, in, in the show when you hit me with that question. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. 855-767-3123 is phone number to call, 855-ROSE-123. Don't forget that we're here every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494.
You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. And that telephone number, by the way, after the show is over, goes right back to the corporate offices, and you can ask a question by dialing that number during the week. And, Larry, you don't charge for those questions, which is kind of neat. Yes, Chris, we often have people call in on Monday or Tuesday and, and, and at request, you know, hey, I heard Larry talking about this, that, or the other on the radio show. Be happy to send it out to you. So feel free to do that. Uh, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Again, tons of information, educational information out there, as well as uh, some of the material that we talk about from time to time on the show. Today, I want to talk a little bit about some mistakes that financial advisors, such as myself, see when it comes to retirement planning. Just sort of blind spots, things that are overlooked, things that are taken granted for that people don't really pay a lot of attention to when it comes to their own personal financial planning. One of them is not properly analyzing your Social Security options. You know, with the changes Mm -hmm. recently the last couple of years in Social Security, so many people are still confused about when to take Social Security, when not to take Social Security. 62 and 67, those are the things I know, right? Well, there's a lot more to it than 62 and 67. Well, I know those are the the ages, though. You can take it at 62. You can begin there. You can get your full amount when it's 67, but there's lots of scenarios in between there, right? There is. You can take it anywhere between 62 and 70. Oh. And anywhere between 62 and 70, depending on, some, in some cases, the actual month that you take it will determine how much you get paid. For example, there's a there's a a, sort of a, a accelerating cliff that from 62 to 64, you're going to get a discount. You're going to take it, and you're going to get less. Mm-hmm. Some people at 65 will get their full retirement. Some people at 66 will get their full retirement. Check this out. Some people at 66 in one month, 66 in two months, 66 in three months will get different amounts. It depends on when you take it. And then a whole lot of people at 67 then 60, and will, will, will get their full retirement amount. And then every year after age 67, it grows by 8% up to age 70 when you maximize it. Mm. That's sort of the chart and the deal and the formula, and a lot of people are confused by it, and I can understand why. But at the end of the day, when you when you look at how much you're going to get versus somebody else is going to get, you know, or, or what you need for your Social Security, we use a Social Security calculator in our financial plan. And that's going to show you how to take Social Security, when to take Social Security for your best options. Because, you know, a lot of people are confused. They say, well, I'm going to wait till 70 to take my Social Security because I'm going to get the most from Social Security. Well, that statement is true, but it might not give you the most money. Mm-hmm. For example, suppose you retire and let's pick an age. Let's say you're 64 years old and you say, all right, I'm retiring. And Social Security is going to give you X amount of dollars per month. And you decide I'm waiting to 70. But between 64 and 70, you're having to use some of your own savings and investments to live off of. Well, then how much more money would you actually end up having if you just take Social Security at 62 from the government and you keep your own principal in your savings and investments? Yeah. You've got to run the calculation backwards. So we drop this into a financial plan. And this is a big, big blind spot in a lot of people's planning. Well, things when it can comes derail to retirement too, income. though, right? Can't they? You can get, Pardon me? You can get derailed along the lines. You know, for some reason, you may need to take care of grandkids. You you might not have the health to last as long as you'd like to take the full retirement that you want. Maybe you need it a little bit earlier. There's there's lots of scenarios to consider. Right? That's true. Usually, the break even age is around age eighty or eighty one for most people. 
Mm-hmm. And then another mistake people make is the failure to really understand early in their career their pension options and plan for the different choices of survivor benefits, mm-hmm. as well as long-term care insurance needs. And real estate is a huge, huge issue. What are you going to do with the house? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with the rental property, the mountain home, the beach house, whatever it may be? What are your plans? Well, one child wants it, one child wants to move into it, and another, and, and another child wants to sell it or rent it out. There could be issues there. You've got to really sit down and, and, and talk about it. One of my associates, uh, one of my financial advisors uh, who runs uh, one of our offices in, in Iowa, is is uh, just went to a, um, an estate planning class where an attorney was speaking, talking about the need now for lots of changes in trusts. People have a lot of money, you know, a lot of old revocable living trusts, but with some of the new tax changes, with the increased amount of the estate taxes, a lot of revocable living trusts need to be changed. Because right now, there's not a lot of people that are going to be subject to the $22 million uh, estate death tax that a lot of, that, that, that's what the level's at now. But there's going to be a lot of tax planning from cost basis scenarios, which is very, Interesting, and the reason why I'm very, uh, you know, paying very close attention to this debate now that's picking up in Washington about possibly changing the capital gains rates to a a uh, chained linked uh, inflation rate, which is going to change a lot of people's tax returns to the good, along with some uh, estate planning things too, as well. So. Lots of lots of things that that are really non-number crunching subject matter that that a lot of us, a lot of financial advisors, see people really overlook when they're just sitting down trying to figure out their spreadsheets when it comes to to financial planning. You know, another big question too is how are ti- how are things titled? Is is the investment account just in your name, or is it in you and your spouse spouse's name with joint tenants with rights of survivor? There's a whole tax treatment around that. What about a TOD, a transfer on death account? A different tax treatment. How about joint uh, tenants in common or tenants in entirety? All these different registrations on how your accounts are titled could determine the tax impact when it's time for money to come out of these investments. And people overlook these things because when we do financial planning, we we look at it from a standpoint of after tax and after inflation. Those are the dollars that you get to take to the grocery store and spend. It's not your gross returns, remember, because we have to pay taxes, right? And we have to account for the loss of purchasing power over time due to inflation as well. So lots of things on this list here. If you want to get a copy of this list, feel free. Go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Be happy to send you out the common mistakes financial planners make when in retirement. Uh, I'm sorry, not the planners, but but people when it when it comes to retirement planning. Planners never make any mistakes. However, that it's definitely never going to happen, or shouldn't happen. <laughs> well, you would hope it doesn't happen, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, and then another another act another thing too is social activities. You know, lunch, dinner, breakfast. You know, where, where, what are you going to do now that you're retired? What what hobbies do you have? What do you want to do? Do you want to work more in the church? Do you want to spend time with your grandkids? Do you want to start a second career? Do you want to learn how to do woodworking? What is it that you really want to do? Uh, and then we also talked a little about the impact of taxation on your on your dollars as well. So you talked to a while ago on one of the shows, and it's kind of an interesting scenario to talk about: is that when you do retire, do you spend more money or do you spend less money? Does your lifestyle change or does it not? Uh, those are some questions that you have to build into your financial plan as well. A lot of people would like to keep the same lifestyle. Hopefully, they have the money set away so that they can do that, but they may not. So they might have to taper it back a little bit, right? Or hopefully, maybe even some of them can increase it and even do better. 
I've seen all three, Chris. Okay. That's really one of the biggest questions in sitting down with a new client. As a matter of fact, I got this question asked to me last week from a new from a new client. How much do I need to live off of when I retire, Larry? And I said, I don't know. You're the one that has to tell me that, right? <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, we don't know. How do we find out? I said, it's very easy to find out. Keep track they, of what you spend. They were like, well, do, you, do, we, do we keep track of every dime and, and everything? I said, listen, let's just back into this and use this as a launching point for a financial plan, for, for a retirement cash flow plan analysis. They said, what is it? I said, are you happy with your current standard of living? They said, yeah. I said, okay, well, there you go. After after you get your paycheck, after taxes are taken out and your retirement plan contributions and all the stuff's taken out of your check, how much is it every single month? What's your net income coming in? And they said it, and I said, all right. And, you, you know, are you living off of it okay? They said, yeah. I said, well, let's start with that number right there. So from an after-tax standpoint, that's the number we're shooting for in the financial plan. That's pretty simple to do. Everybody can do that really quick at a, at a red light very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to reverse back into that. Then you take a look at things such as, well, you know, I still got the kids right now. I'm not going to have them when, when I retire. That's going to save money. And, you know, I got a car payment now. I might not have one, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can sort of project some of those things there. But basically, take a good look. It's a great measuring stick for where you are when you take a look at, you know, what is your current standard of living right now? Shoot for that to begin with. Mm -hmm. People in the industry say, oh, you need 80% of that. Some people say you need more. Back and forth. Start off with what you're doing right now. That's the best way to look at it. That's awesome. Let's welcome Michelle on the line. Good morning, Michelle. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How Um, can I help you? My husband and I were... um, talking last night we are uh 53 i'm 53 and he's 54 and you know retirement's not uh super near but it's not super far away either and we have a um, home equity line of credit that um is an arm and uh it has about eighty five thousand dollars in it from what i understand he takes care of the bills but you know we were kind of hashing out what we were gonna how we were gonna do because anticipating a, a raise in interest rates and uh, we also have two children in college, so uh, one is just starting in the fall, so we're going to have some uh, hefty expenses next year. My question is, we have the money in um, a Vanguard account that is liquid enough. We could just pay off that home equity line of credit. We have about um, $12,000 between the two of us of outstanding credit card debt that we wanted to get rid of, and... Um, we're trying to decide, is it smarter to take that money out, which takes away all of our emergency funds, and the youngest one who's going to college has um, a disease that is going to um, gonna present some medical bills, um, some pretty hefty ones um, on occasions. And um, so we're, we're trying to decide what the smartest move is. Do we risk taking out all of our funds, knowing that we can – uh, replenish about 15000 a year for emergency funds and pay off that loan, or do we get another $30,000, which is going to put us just over a 30, a 30-year uh, uh, mortgage and roll it into it, which is going to just put us right over in the jumbo um, range, and we were hoping not to do that as we are nearing retirement in you know the next few years. So I was just looking for some direction as to what would be the smartest way to handle that. Michelle, that's a great question. You threw a lot at me here. I was uh, uh, So 
at the end of the day, one of the things that I'm I'm afraid of is you becoming house rich and cash poor, especially with a, a special okay. needs child entering college. Okay, um, so that's the first caution that I would show up to this example. And <clears throat> the math on, from what I gleaned of the conversation here, the math on this equation is basically this: it's what could the rate increase do to your monthly payment? Let's suppose it pushes up your monthly payment by $100, just to do as an example. Nobody's happy about that, right? But you still have 80 thousand dollars in your Vanguard accounts growing for you at compound interest. How much does that need to grow to make up the extra monthly cost? And now you're still going to be able to have all that cash for your emergencies in college. Do you see what I mean? That's the, yeah. that's the math that you have to look at. But I would like to put all this stuff into um, uh, our financial toolkit for you, which will help you build a, a financial plan, because there's more questions that I have for you on this, Michelle, which is, do you want to stay in this house? How long do you want to stay in this house? Do you want this home to be a retirement home? And with interest rates rising, what's wrong with locking in a new fixed interest rate right now? It's going to take the worry away, because we don't know – how long this business cycle is going to last where rates continue to rise. We might we might end up getting 3 or 4% rate increases and if you're on an arm, you know, over the next 4 or 5 years just as an example, you know, that could have a, a big effect on this whole equation as well. So, I would I would like to lay okay. everything out for you and take a good look at it and show you three or four different avenues on on what to do. If you like, I'll be happy to have one of our advisors reach out to you next week. Um, and, and send you out some information on this because this is a very common scenario here, uh, which you know, which is almost a hand to glove fit. Your first statement, which is, well, you know, retirement's a little far away, but not too far away. It's kind of you know the right. the, the uh, you know the finish line's getting a lot bigger in the window as we're driving towards it, right? So, right. So, uh, yep, exactly. But so, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Let me put you on hold, Michelle, and we'll have somebody reach out to you next week and, and crunch the numbers in a more detailed way for you than we can here on the air, okay? Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let me put you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's shoot on over to Clinton, Maryland, and welcome Constance on the line. Good morning, Constance. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Okay, I have a question. I uh, just want to clarify, make sure I understand what you uh, just said about Social Security. Uh, if I retired last August and I wanted to collect, uh, at, I retired last August at age 62, and I wanted to collect uh, Social Security until I'm 66 and go back to work, will I have to go? Am I able to do that without penalty? Yes, you're. If you're, especially if you're not working. Yeah, if you're not working, Constance, and you're 62, you can, you can go collect your Social Security and have no penalties at all. Yep. Okay. Thank you so much. Let's shoot on over. Welcome Cindy on the line in Alexandria. Good morning, Cindy. How can I help you today? Hi, Larry. Thank you for your show. Um, I am recently divorced. Um, I don't have retirement um, in the settlement. I have a house um, with about, a, um, I just sold, have a contract on it, and I will probably net about 450 off the house. 
um, we're going to have to move south in order to afford to live, and I'll be supported for another six years with a $200,000 settlement um, added to the house. Um, I have been told that it's better to rent than to buy. Um, I would like to, um, I'm 60 years old. Um, I would like to be in a position where I don't have a mortgage, so I don't have to worry about paying rent or mortgage, but at the same time, I'm being told that it might be better to take that money and invest it um, and live off the, uh, and be able to have something invested for retirement. Cindy, this is a great, this, yeah, this is, this is a very interesting scenario here. I'm seeing more and more of this all the time where people are, are getting into their quote unquote retirement home and they're renting it. And one of the reasons why is because you could end up having your home, in this case, paid for, all right, but you're still going to have to make payments on that retirement home through taxes and insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So right. you'll so, but now you've got a lot of your wealth wrapped up inside wood, bricks, mortar, and steel. So essentially, mm-hmm. what you, what this person's probably telling you is, hey, look, I don't want you to end up being house rich and cash poor, but okay. rather take a look at what if if you were to buy this next house let's say you bought it for cash and it's worth four hundred thousand dollars now you don't have a lot of savings money and your your income is finite for just a period of five years i believe you said yeah and and then so at the end of the day what we have to do is we have to lay out a plan that's going to enable you to feel secure comfortable in your housing and make sure that you have enough income coming in to support your lifestyle as well as savings. That's the that's those are the two avenues that you sort of have to go down the the road in in, in looking at the math behind all of this. Example one: you you get the home; it's worth four hundred thousand. It's paid for, but let's suppose your your property tax, just so I can do math easy here, is a thousand dollars a month. Property tax plus um, <clears throat> insurance. Okay, kind of expensive. But now we know you're, 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 in order to maintain ownership on that home that's paid for, you've got $1,000 a month going out. But you've used $400,000 in order to do that. On the other hand, if you were to go rent a home, and let's suppose the payment with the rent was $1,000 a month, now you've got $400,000 in cash in the bank, plus you're still making the same outlay each month. That's the math equation that we have to look at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then we have to take on, then the next part of it, part B, is we have to put on top of that scenario your alimony income that you're going to receive over the next five years and what's your ability to save out of that. So you're going to get $200,000 a year for five years. So you're going to get a million dollars, right? Let's suppose over the no, next. No, uh, it's, it's 20000 The settlement is. Um, it's $200,000 over the next 10 years, so I get $20,000 a year plus okay. alimony. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. hard for me to do the math on the radio like that, but sure. <laughs> sure. I understand. So so then the sure. question is, how much of this money can you save, right, in order to, to build this up? Because if we end up having a house that's paid for in retirement, you still have the taxes and insurance, and then how much liquid cash do you have? to live off of, to go on vacations and to buy Christmas presents and things like that. So so I see a lot of this now happening, and there is a trend towards renting, but we have to 
sit down and do the math. You know, suppose you said, well, hey, Larry, I want to move to somewhere in Tennessee, and this house I want is is $200,000. Now I can have that house paid for and still have $200,000 left over. That's a whole different scenario, right, versus living in maybe downtown, you know, Roslyn or something like that right outside of D.C. where a house is going to eat up all your cash. So those are the types of conversations that we really need to engage in in order to see what's best for your scenario because at the end of the day – I've seen people where they are house rich and cash poor. They can't go do anything in retirement, but they have this home. And eventually the home outcosts them anyway because taxes and insurance do go up over time. Okay? Okay. That's very helpful. Yep. Cindy, if you like, I'll be happy to put you on hold, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week and uh, talk to you about this and and further the discussion for you. But I'm very familiar with – this trend and, and what's what's been going on, I can help you uh, step through the math on that. I've got some sheets that I can uh, follow okay. through for you, okay? Thank you. I love your show, and thank you so much. I appreciate it, Cindy. Let me put you on hold. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Uh, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Nick on the line. Good morning, Nick. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. I'm awesome. How about you? I'm wonderful, sir. How can I help you? All right, this is a scenario I can see if I can uh, paint it out really quick. Um, I own a condo, been in it for uh, probably around 18, 19 years. Um, right now, currently, the mortgage is probably around 60,000, 70,000. I have a second, I have a line of credit around 20,000. Um, and both of them, uh, the first mortgage, um, it's an arm and flex rule rate on the home equity line. I guess the question is, and the home equity line is coming due in, I believe, September of this year. I'm trying to find the best scenario if I should extend it or if I should uh, wrap it into a one-time or you know, uh, refinance to one loan. Well, in a rising interest rate environment, Nick, my default answer is to wrap it into a, a one-time fixed loan. We don't know how how we don't know what your your income scenario is going to be over the next five years, and we don't know how high rates are going to go. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, it's awesome. Uh, follow up. I have a retirement account that essentially, if I liquidated that, I could essentially pay off a good portion, probably around ninety percent of that mortgage. Um, I thought about it. I've been entertaining it, but yeah, I haven't done the. Um, further research if that's a wise financial decision for the long term. Nick, how old are you? I'm 47. Right now, without seeing everything laying in front of me, I would say, no, don't do that, because there's a chance that you're not going to stay in this home forever. And by gotcha. pay, by pulling out your retirement dollars um, to, to put into a house today, you're going to lose the compounding interest effect of those retirement dollars. Now, people will argue, well, wait, Larry, real estate goes up. That's true. But real estate goes up or down, whether it's mortgaged or not, right? Right. So I would caution to do that. Plus, it's going to cost you taxes. Your hurdle rate, when you go to pull money out of your retirement plan, you've got to pay income taxes on it. So you're going to be behind 25 30% already on it. So I would not do that at all. But if you like, I'll, I'll have uh, one of our mortgage specialists give you a ring next week, Nick, and he can uh, crunch some numbers for you over the phone real quick and show you which way is the best thing to go. And, there, and, and what's what's neat about this scenario here, 
is that there's so many different types of loan products out there that people aren't aware of. People people just think, okay, well, this is what I got to go do. But no, I've seen I've seen. Uh, there's trust me, there's a lot of different loan products that may be better for you in your scenario versus your time, how long you think you're going to be in the home and stuff like that. So that that's that is great because one of my concerns was that um, being 47, you know, looking at the retirement. So I really want to extend the mortgage beyond the retirement date and knowing that where I live, um, one of the fastest growing areas within the United States, I've yet to see the value of where I live actually go down, you know, as to where I bought it. I was uh, essentially the first owner or second owner in. When did you buy your house? Oh, gosh, um, 19, 19 years ago. Okay. Well, it, it, it went down in the financial crisis of 08, but maybe not to the level that you originally purchased it at. No, exactly right. You're spot right. on. It did. Right. So, so it'll, cycle up, it'll cycle up and down, but the one thing that we have to really pay attention to here is your uh, your HELOC loan that's adjustable, it sounds like. We want to lock yes. something in like that now because we are in this rate rising cycle. Nick, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold here. i got a break for a commercial. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll have our mortgage person give you a ring next week, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Larry. Absolutely. God bless. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosendahl Show. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, and we will be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We've been talking about a lot of different things today, Larry, but I know you want to bring it back to really what money's all about and whose it really is. We're on this show. We're talking about money. We're talking about it all the time and financial planning techniques and things of, of that nature. And we need to remember Proverbs sixteen nine: the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And stop and think about just the discussion we've been having today about you know, saving money, about how to manage our, our, our home, our cash flow, all of this kind of stuff. You know, we need to pray it up to the Lord and give it to him as well because 
he owns it, and we need to do it all to his glory as well. So Proverbs sixteen nine: the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord just directs his steps. Stop and think about how that functions and, and, and focus on that in your financial planning life as well. So that. important. So let's uh, welcome Ray on the line. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? Oh, how you doing, uh, Larry? I just want to say I've been a consistent hearer of your program. I want to say thank you so much for all the information you have given. Uh, this is a quick question. I'm not that verbal, but um, my question is I am a federal employee. I'm 57, and I'm looking to retire at 60. But I understood from my understanding was that I'm not supposed to get Social Security, and my question is, do you know why I'm not able to get Social Security? Well, are you civil service or federal employee, Ray? Uh, Civil service. Yeah, civil service are not eligible for – so when did you start with the government? Did you start before 1982? Uh, 1980. Uh, started in 1980, and there was a break in service, and I was brought back on. So because of that break, it pushed me over to offset. Okay, so then you will get some Social Security. You're what's called a FERS offset. You will be eligible for Social Security. Okay. I, I was. So one to... of the things that you can do, Ray, is you can go on to the Social Security website, which is socialsecurity.gov. And put your information in, and it will pull up your benefit there. Then take that to OPM and show them uh, what what the scenario is. But as an offset, you will get some Social Security. Okay, I just thought I didn't. Okay, that's good to know. Yep, absolutely. All right. Just Would you like me to have the, someone uh, try to give website. you some help with that? Repeat that. Would you like someone? Would you like for someone? Would you like for me to have someone try to give you some assistance with, with yes. doing that? Not yes. a problem, Ray. Let me put you on hold, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week. Okay. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring here: eight five five Rose one two three eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Let's shoot on over to the district and welcome. Uh, is this what's your, terrific? That's your name. Hey, Larry, how you doing, man? Good morning. I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? Happy Saturday, man. Look, just imagine you got SSI disability and the regular Social Security coming in, and you want to know how many hours you can work without getting it taken back coming from, like getting getting it snatched away from, like dollar from dollar, two dollars from one dollar, like you said. How old are you? Right now, 36 and growing. Trying to make it to 109 years old, 115 one day. <laughs> there you go. So here's the deal on that. You're going to have to look at it from a different perspective. If you're on Social Security disability and then you start to show wages, you may lose all of that. Okay. Yeah, so how could you keep a steady flow, keep education, filling in the gaps so you don't look goofy out in the workplace and not bringing in enough income? And you don't want to really buy a house, you said. You want to probably rent, so you don't want to be um, messing with the back and forth on things, like owning the taxes on the houses and the water bills coming in. Also so here's more- so here's the story on that. We we need to get with uh, a, a, an attorney who understands all those rules there, because I, I, I this is just a little bit far out of my um, 
brain box on the specific rules and income limits in this situation, okay? Um, but I can get this information for you. But the bottom line here is that if you are receiving the disability, it's because they've deemed you not able to work. And if you start showing income, then you may lose that. So so we you have to sort of navigate those waters there. Does that make sense? Perfectly. Perfect sense. You're perfect, Larry. I have to tell you first. Okay, I will go ahead and, and uh, let me put you on hold, Terrific, and then I will uh, have, uh, actually, we'll have a state attorney give you a ring next week, okay? All right, sounds good. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123, here every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Make sure you mark your calendar and join us next week. As Larry was just mentioning there, do not forget to check out the brand new website. A lot of new material there available for you. That's LarryRosenthal.com, LarryRosenthal.com. More of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal in just a moment. Stay tuned. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buying confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your Loan First pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your Loan First certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. Well, look at the clock, Larry. Time's already running out here. Yes, and again, Chris, I want to wish you and, and everybody today a happy Labor Day weekend. Go enjoy this long three-day weekend. I think it's going to be a pretty beautiful weekend. And if you have any questions or anything, uh, go go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Again, that's LarryRosenthal.com for lots of educational information out there. Go, go hit LarryRosenthal.com up and, and sign up for our upcoming seminars. We're going to be having them around the area as well as our, our new office over in Catonsville. Uh, in that area as well. So, uh, or give us a ring during the week at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know so what, Larry? You've got you to do something for me. You need to do this next year. If you don't do it uh, this year, you need to give us the recipes for all those fantastic steaks that you can cook on the grill uh, over Labor Day weekend because you are 
you're a great financial planner, but you're also sort of a connoisseur of the grill, aren't you? Wouldn't you say? Chris, I do like to grill things. Yeah. Yes, you do. I do. And smoke stuff. And yeah, you do fun stuff there. I like to smoke food. Yep, it's good. I actually smoked a roast beef a couple of weekends ago. Weekends ago. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. Awesome. So happy Labor yep. Day to you there, Larry. And you too. I appreciate that. So, so for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.